Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 652, air date June 20th, 2020. Dr. Shiva Adre, I'm doing a late night broadcast. It is Friday night, and welcome to everyone on Facebook, YouTube, and Periscope. What I want to talk about is about the American academia and how that in my view, is the center of the deep state of American corruption. Um, and for those of you joining us, uh, this is Dr. Shiva Ayadure. Many of you know um, that I'm an MIT PhD. I'm a, a scientist and inventor, and I'm also running for US Senate. For those of you who, are, who do not know about our Senate campaign, I always share a little bit about it. But um, uh, those of you joining from overseas, um, every um, uh, six years, uh, there's a Senate campaign, but there's two senators. So uh, those Senate campaigns come up, come, uh, come up every sort of other year. So for two senators in the United States, it's not taking place at the exact same time. So in 2018, there was a U.S. Senate race, which I ran in against Elizabeth Warren. And two years later, which is today, uh, which is this year, there's another election coming in, which I'm running against uh, another person called Ed Markey. So that's in the United States. But those of you who are um, uh, who are aware of our Senate campaign, just to review, and those of you who are not, I just want to let everyone know you can go to our website, shivaforsenate.com. And shivaforsenate.com is our website that I'm running for U.S. Senate. So everyone's welcome to go check that out. But if you go to the website, um, the, the fundamentals of our campaign are about truth, freedom, and health. The fact that we take a systems approach that we need to fight for freedom, the right to free speech, the right to open discourse, the right to have conversations without intervention. Right now, five major organizations, um, Google, Facebook, Vodafone, um, AT&T and Verizon essentially control all the flow of content. So we believe we need a Digital Rights Act, the Digital Rights Act, which is written up on my website to regain freedom. But freedom is important because it's the essence of practicing the scientific method, not scientific consensus where everyone sort of agrees to stuff that may not be true. With scientific cons consensus, you get to fiction. With scientific method, you get to truth. And truth is important because from truth, we can look at the real problem and the real solution and really get to the health of our bodies, what's right for us, the health of our communities, uh, the health of our infrastructure. And that strong health allows us to fight for freedom. So that's the essence of our campaign. And those of you who know or who don't know, when you support our campaign, one of the important things that's fundamental to our campaign is to teach everyone <coughs> um, the fundamentals of systems. Shall I can have some water? Um, what is a system? So this takes about 40 years of my knowledge from MIT, from my experience as an engineer and a scientist, to educate everyone what is a system. Because once you understand what is a system, the science of systems, the dynamics of it, you can then really understand how to change a system. What is revolution? Those principles are invariant. They apply to your car, your computer, they apply to your body. So I also created a tool where you can use these principles for those who support our campaign. And by the way, you can only be in the United States to support our campaign. And if you do, you then get access to this tool called your body, your system. And those of you outside of the United States, if you can't donate to our campaign, you can go right away to your body, your system. But your body, your system is, it's its a tool, obviously you can use it for your health and well-being, but fundamentally it's a tool to apply the principles of systems 
to understand what kind of system you are, denoted by the red dot, how your system is off course, to, denoted by the black dot, and you answer a set of questions. And then you could figure out how through different inputs, food, exercise, supplements, that you can bring your body back to you, what's called the natural system state. But fundamentally, our campaign is really about truth, freedom, and health. So that's uh, to review. Everyone should support our campaign. We'd love you to get your support. But when you support me, I also want to support you back in knowledge. You can also volunteer for our campaign. Those of you, everyone should be aware, if you're in the United States, please tell all your friends about this important campaign, the U.S. Senate campaign. It's less than about 60, 65 days. September 1 is when the primary is. My goal is to win the primary, then I'll win the entire thing. But we, if you're, if you know friends who are Republicans, I'm running as a Republican, doesn't mean I care for either party, but those people can be registered as not for a party or unenrolled and they can vote for us. And people are Democrats, they can switch, okay? But what I wanna talk about um, really leads to why I'm running. Uh, I haven't really gotten to the details. I'll be putting out a video on this, but fundamentally what's happened globally is that we have allowed the elites to manipulate thought. Now, if you go back in ancient times, there was this concept of a pyramid of hierarchy. At the top of that pyramid was who were called the priesthood, quote unquote, the priesthood. Typically, they were the scribes. If you look back in ancient culture, they were the, um, the shamans or the, um, or the intellectuals what today we would call the academics. And that academic group is the one that advised the kings or the rulers what they should do. And those kings or rulers, you know, were the ones who manned um, armies. And then those people manned those armies on the interests of business people, traders, and then way below them was everyday people. Now in the Indian system, that was called a caste system. I came from an environment where we were considered the bottom, the low caste untouchables. Uh, people like me should, parents, uh, for my background, should never have even made it to the United States. So it was quite extraordinary, but that was a hierarchy. So you had really the aristocracy, which were the kings, but above them were the advisors, the scribes, the academics, the intelligentsia, what you would call the priesthood, who advised the kings what to do. Now in America, um, you know, my parents, I came here as an immigrant, many people, black, some people came here forcibly, for example, in slavery and other people came here through other kinds of force being uh, forced to leave their countries because of religious persecution, or in my case, because of the caste system. And some people came uh, sometimes by choice, but fundamentally, the United States is a country of immigrants. We're all one in that sense, whether you're Irish or Italian or German or Indian, uh, we all came from other countries, but we came to this country to make a better life for ourselves. That's what it was about. And the American Revolution had taken place because the merchant, the rising merchant class in this country, the rising entrepreneur class wanted a break from, from feudalism. They wanted a break from the aristocracy of kings and queens who had created an environment that uh, your success in life was very little to do with what you did, but it was where you were born, what you were born to was hitting the birth lottery. And that was the aristocracy. That was essentially the rule of kings and queens. And when America broke from that, 
we said we were going to chart a different world that by and large that world was going to be charted by what you did meritocracy um, there was a concept of the enlightened ones even in that model but it, it came from bottoms up what you achieved it wasn't from top down this was a very fundamental difference and over the many many years america prospered because we allowed people to basically take risks um immigrants came in um legally most of them and through that process we created a very vibrant economy a lot of small businesses a lot of entrepreneurialism but starting around probably uh initially in the 40s uh, peaking in the 1970s, we started creating an environment in this country where it started becoming much more monopolistic. It became much more regulated, which means top-down governance. And the theoreticians behind this model were the liberal elite institutions of academia. And these academic institutions were nonprofits, 501c3s, nonprofit institutions, which means they didn't pay tax like you and I do, you know, I must pay so many taxes. I pay personal income tax, I pay property tax, I pay excise tax, I, I pay payroll tax, I pay all sorts of taxes as an entrepreneur. And then I um, have to pay sometimes double taxation if I run a C corporation. So I pay lots and lots of taxes. Businesses do, you do, I do. But these nonprofits, these universities, do not pay any tax. So for example, Harvard University, only recently out of outrage did they start paying about a 1.2% tax, which they should be paying a lot more. These universities are, and nonprofits, by the way, in the United States, over the last 20 years, we've seen the university amount of assets that they have grow by nearly 250%. $1.7 trillion, $1.7 trillion is in these nonprofits in the United States, non-tax. This includes Harvard, MIT, the Clinton Global Initiative, Gates Foundation, on and on and on and on. Lots of nonprofits who are created by very wealthy people, and they basically are a way to evade taxes. You and I pay taxes, Harvard doesn't. Only recently did they pay a little tax, about one point, I think three, four percent. But still, it's nowhere near what they do. These universities are basically hedge funds. They get money from our, you and I, our taxes, go to pay them through uh, nearly 750 million is what Harvard gets, okay, in terms of federal grants. They get financial aid, all right? They get to buy property. They own uh, millions of square feet of real estate just in the town of Alston no property tax they pay, zero. You and I have to pay property tax. And these institutions are where people go to, young people, they get, they get given an elitist model of who they are, and these universities pay zero taxes. The professors like Elizabeth Warren, who lied to get in there, saying she was, a fake, saying she was an Indian, they get the best healthcare. I run a business, it's very hard for me to even pay for healthcare. So a lot of businesses move to contractor mode because it's too difficult to even sustain your businesses anymore. But universities pay no taxes. They basically are investment funds. They take a lot of money from us. 
they invested on Wall Street, they make more money, they pay their people. That's what's going on in this country. Academia on top of it has become a place of false narratives. They're really the fake news behind fake news. Because of the amount of money that flows through them, I'll talk more about this and when we start doing a series on this, they basically will write science, create science that matches the narratives to meet the funding sources that they're getting from. This is what's going on in the United States. And lawyers, lawyers are the ones who create the rules, the laws. So these nonprofits from Clinton Global Initiative, Gates Foundation can maneuver, they can get away. And these nonprofits, including Harvard University, et cetera, they're basically governments unto their own. They get all this nonprofit money. They can make decisions without um, legislative authority, without law. And they basically are designing policy for the world. So if you look at, as I shared before, if you look at the Zuckerberg Foundation, billions of dollars, the Gates Foundation, the Clinton Global Initiative, these foundations are essentially running their own governments as a foundation. They only have to give 5% of their assets for some do good stuff. The rest of it, it's theirs. And when they move money into their foundations, they don't pay any taxes and they get the benefit of acting as though they're doing good for us. And then they get to use that money through their foundation to guide public policy. So that's what I wanted to talk to you about. We have created a world right now that these nonprofits, these universities have become the new aristocracy. The same aristocracy that you and I, if you're Irish, if you're German, if you're Italian, if you're Yugoslavian, if you're Indian, if you're black, we came to this country forcibly or otherwise uh, to leave other countries to either work here, et cetera. And as a part of that, we were hopeful that we would get access to the American dream, which means coming bottoms up. But what has happened in this country is that these, particularly these large nonprofits and these academics have now become their, a new aristocracy. That's what's happened. They cheat, they lie, they don't pay taxes. You and I do, we pay property taxes, and that is a new aristocracy. And they're all backed by very clever lawyers who support essentially white collar criminals in the way they do this. So I believe that they, we're basically back to probably 19, I mean, 1776. At that time, it was taxation with that representation. This time we get taxed and they get to evade taxes. That's what's happened. So yes, I'm running as a Republican, but I believe these people should be taxed at the full 20 to 30%. They're running hedge funds. If you take a university like Harvard, I've said this for many, many years, one of the first people to say it, that they are running essentially investment funds. And you and I are supporting their gambling um, on Wall Street. And if this doesn't get you angry, you should recognize and you should think about it. Why is it that we give these institutions so much respect? So much respect. Why does Elizabeth Warren get so much respect? Why does someone like the Kennedys, who all went to Harvard, by the way, one incestuous cesspool, get so much respect? And you go down the list, Romney. Mr. Baker, Weld, I mean, the biggest global elites, John Roberts, all went through the hallowed halls of Harvard. Many of them are faculty there. 
but they are the modern elites. By the way, lawyers, their title is Esquire. It's a no title of nobility, one level above gentlemen, one level below knight. And academics are basically like the priesthood. They basically create science, make manufacture it, which is then taken by media and utilized. So I'll have, be having more conversations about this, but one of the central parts of our campaign for Shiva for Senate is going to really bring out the fact that we today live in a caste system in this country and we have to take back our country. They have one rule for themselves and another rule for us. And those of you from outside of this, the United States will probably see the same feature in your countries. We have, we have created the same old caste model. That's what we've created. One rule for them, one rule for us. And what it's really coming down to is truth, freedom, and health versus the powers of power, profit, and control. It's a lawyer's, who basically the elite believe only lawyers should be politicians, not people like you and I, not people who work for a living. Why? Because the lawyers are the ones who make the laws to create their tax havens. They create their laws while they can murder and rape people and get away with it, not you or I. And all of this is brought to you by the deep state of academia. They're like the modern day priesthood who can do no wrong. They have a direct connection to whatever, quote unquote, God uh, or Satan, whatever. But that's what we have in this country and in many countries. The academic elite are the last vestiges of feudalism that should have gone away. And it's time we take them away. And that's what our campaign Shiva for Senate's about. It's about everyday people reclaiming their rights reclaiming the fact that all of us in this country came from many different countries. We're all immigrants, we're all the same. They try to use racism to divide us, particularly the liberal elite. They pit back blacks against whites while they live in their gated communities. They have their lawyers to protect them. They have their lawyers to write their laws. And we really not, need to start looking at this. It's the aristocracy. It's the parasites versus working people versus people who produce. And all of this is engineered by places like Harvard University who do not, who pay a minuscule in taxes, minuscule. They're, they have their own rules. And I want people to start thinking about this because if you're thinking about voting for any lawyers, the lawyers are part of the aristocracy. They're the ones who create all the laws. They create tax savings. They create the foundation documents. It's quite an incestuous world. And it's about time that you had someone like me, someone like you, starting to actually participate in the political process. Let me take some questions if people have any. Um, any questions? There's a worldwide movement for peace, freedom going on, definitely. Tax big business more, not charities and universe. Well, let's talk about that. Um, someone just wrote this. Um, Let's go look at this. We should have a conversation about this. Tax big businesses more. Look, what you don't understand uh, is that these universities are big businesses. That's what they are. They get your tax dollars. Just look at what a university like Harvard gets. They get financial aid. Okay, you and I can't get financial. It's very difficult. They get three quarters of a billion dollars in research grants from your and I money. 
Then they get donations, all tax-free. They, they get to buy property tax-free. They are businesses. They are not charities. They are big businesses. And on top of that, they take all that money, then they invest it in Wall Street. Well, they Harvard, for example, paid nearly $55 million to their five or six hedge fund managers a few years ago. And on top of that, they have a attitude like they are the ones who know everything. They're the ones, for example, Harvard is running something to shut down homeschooling. They're the ones who designed public health policy, vaccine mandates. You go down the list and they all work very closely together because the policies, the papers, the quote unquote science that they write determines public policy. So they shouldn't be charities. They're not charities. They're basically big businesses using and exploiting the tax laws. So I just want to make that very clear. What about uh, praying for your Trump? Thank you. Uh, yeah, so someone said, what do I think about MOOCs? Uh, supposedly free, but big business. Yes. Mark asked, so MOOCs are basically these platforms that you can go, um, you know, uh, get a free education. edX is one of them. Turns out that these are essentially um, a gateway for creating a new business model because the big universities know that they're, if, if things go the way they're going, they're basically going to get uh, uh, disintermediated by, by essentially people starting to put courses online. So what they're doing is they're taking their brand and they're putting it into these online quote unquote free platforms, but they're really not free. Because what they do is they hook you in and then they're basically big business because they then um, sell you many other things. But it's a way that they're trying to hold on to their brand equity. That's what they're actually trying to do. That's what's actually going on with these MOOCs. All right. Good question, though. What's the next question here? Let's look at this one. Someone said, yeah, this is a good question here. Uh, someone said, it is interesting you mentioned that, th that these were traditionally the gatekeepers of knowledge and the priesthood. Maybe the open source movement and the citizen science movement. Yes. So, PJ, you, you hit it right on the head. One of the things that is part of our campaign is we need to move to citizen science, which means there's a lot of smart people in this world. Look, I invented email long before I even heard of MIT. Part of this entire narrative is that they take the best minds, bring them to these universities, brand them with their brand, okay? So as though they are the only ones who can create great students. They're the only ones who can innovate. When the truth is innovation can occur anytime, anyplace by anybody. And when we fund these universities, that data should be our data. That data should be data that is up online, when we fund them that we can use to do our own research. So as they're doing research, the, the data needs to go online for us to use citizen science. Someone wrote the industrial medical complex, the military industrial complex, the industrial university complex. No public servant should be allowed to operate a nonprofit foundation or institute for charity. Look, there's going to be a lot of stuff which we'll be sharing about the workings of the Clinton foundation, how they've been involved, the Clinton foundation, USAID, uh, the Gates Foundation, 
many of these foundations have been involved in orchestrating the coronavirus pandemic. I've been talking about this. First one to let everyone know, this whole thing was a fear-mongering hoax. One of the biggest money-making features that the universities are involved, many of these universities, which is to support the fake science with the fear-mongering, but they're gonna be involved in contact tracing, multi-billion dollar industry partners in health, essentially has gotten the monopoly on that. So these universities create narratives, bullshit narratives that HIV causes AIDS, CO2 is a pollutant. They're basically manufacturers of bullshit science, fake science. And using that fake science, then it sort of spread out everywhere and it becomes, becomes a fear basis. It becomes a basis for manipulating people. It becomes a basis for generating fear, which can be then used to generate a fake solution, fake problem and a fake solution. And vast amounts of money are moved and laundered as a part of this process. The universities are the centerpiece of creating the lies and the fake science which power this. They are the aristocracy and they are supported by the legal class of lawyers. That's what's going on. The universities are the fake science which supports, which creates these narratives. Those narratives are used to generate fear. Those fears are used to push out a fake solution, fake problem, fake solution. And at the end of it, we are the ones who pay for that. More taxes on us and they do not get taxed. Okay, someone said, uh, thoughts on contracts, how to get rid of it. That's Therese Moser. Look, the entire, there's contact tracing has become a multi-billion dollar industry. Not just single dollars, but a multi-billion dollar industry. That is, that's what it's become. Multi, multi-billion dollar industry. And that industry is being used by people to power businesses that will essentially be used. I just gotta get my uh, connector over here one second. Those businesses are being used by a finite set of people to empower um, a huge industry of contact tracing. And that industry is gonna be used for surveillance, but the industry itself is a multi-billion dollar industry and could likely be a trillion dollar industry. So in August of 2019, listen to this very carefully, in Rwanda was a meeting, Gates Foundation, a whole bunch of people met there, WHO, and they were saying, hey, we need to do contact tracing, August. Well, what happens? Then we get coronavirus. And guess what? The people who have given partners in health the essentially the contract to do contact tracing, you can originate them back to August in Rwanda. And you can literally see the global fund, and I'll talk more about this tomorrow, that was set up to really move a lot of this money. And if you look at all the major donors in that global fund, were all the places where the coronavirus hit, okay? So contact tracing is big, big money itself, separate from the vaccines and the viruses. And we'll talk more about that. What are your uh, thoughts on Supreme Court? Yeah, it's power and lifetime appointments of justice. Look, uh, John Roberts was uh, appointed there by the Bushes. 
Bushes, Romneys, Obamas, you go down the list. These people are the modern-day aristocracy. And, you know, we can impeach justices. It's difficult, but we can impeach them. I think there should be terms um, on uh, justices. I don't think it should be lifetime appointments. Um, and I think it's I think it, it's high time that's come that it should also be able to recall these justices. It should be easier to impeach them also. Yeah, well, John Roberts, uh, 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 John Roberts is essentially uh, uh, one of the Bushes. Look, the 2016 election, let's be clear, uh, whether you like Trump or not, broadly what happened was Americans in this country uh, were tired of the aristocracy. We started realizing, wait a minute, we all, at some point, either our grandparents or us, in my case, I came directly, but at some point, we all came to this country as immigrants to try to live the American dream. And what happened was a finite set of people, um, frankly, the people run this country at the deep level, they're really not Americans. They're really redcoats. They really are still loyal to the crown, and that's why they still want to be aristocrats. So that's fundamentally what's happened in this country. There is an aristocracy, and that's what the real struggle is. And 2016 was really the first shot against the aristocracy. Um, yeah, Pizzagate. Look, uh, I just met with some very interesting people for around three hours today. They were telling me, you can go to places in Ukraine where you'll find, you know, the amount of abuse that's going on with women, children being sold, women being sold. Many, many years ago when I was uh, uh, meeting with an interesting fellow, he said, he's a billionaire, and he said, you know, in my world, what runs here uh, with the commodity here is it says weapons, drugs, and women. So what's really happening, and I'll do a short on this tomorrow, on how drugs are really used as a commodity for money laundering. It's a lot of stuff I've been learning from people inside the government, but I will do a whole talk on how money is moved, how major corporations, major corporations are really corporations that are being used to move money, okay? That's what they're really for, launder money. And we'll talk more about that tomorrow. Yeah, so that talk we're gonna do at 9 p.m. tomorrow. And it'll be really about, I wanna share with you how money laundering actually takes place. It's quite amazing how it's an international model of how money laundering takes place. Uh, let's see, what are your thoughts on education? Will our children ever have the opportunity for great education? Look, I wanna close on this question by letting everyone know that in 1776, there was a revolution in this country. It was taxation without representation. Remember, it was against the British East India Company. The British East India Company, which is part of the crown, was basically has subjugated all of us, whether you were Irish, they were screwing over the Irish. Um, they were screwing over Indians. They were screwing over Africa. They probably screwed over all of us. And they were screwing over the people in America. And one of the important things to recognize is that that entire process of subjugating people um, began um, by basically ensuring that our children 
also today don't get the right education they deserve. They don't get to really think. So these institutions of power have are basically taking our children and what they're doing is making them educated, vulnerable elites. They're teaching them not to really think. They're teaching them to get good grades and they'll do anything to get those good grades, but never challenging their teachers, but never actually thinking. And this kind of mindset means that our kids aren't gonna get the right education. One of the ways out of this is to eliminate all accreditation, regulation, because what they've done is they wanna attack homeschooling, they want to say only they are the places that, that, that are the anointed ones who can teach. And one of the best ways we can get back to, to real education is we also need to bust up a lot of these teachers' unions. In the 70s, teachers still had some power. A teacher would, do, would figure out what their kids needed, and they would figure out what was right for them. And the unions got so strong and powerful that they even subjugate the teachers from doing their job. So that's what's unfortunately happened. We have top-down medicine, top-down education, and academia has essentially become the oldest profession. Anyway, I'll talk more about it tomorrow, but I wanted to just have you guys start thinking about this, that the academic elite are really the priesthood. They are, think about presidents come and go, prime ministers come and go, left and right. But these academics, Kissinger, Brzezinski, you can go look at them. They're always in the background, always. The academics never go. They almost have a job for life. Those are the people who are the aristocrats, again, in bed with lawyers. So the election in Massachusetts in 2020, in closing, I want everyone to know that I'm running for U.S. Senate. People should take advantage of this election, support our campaign, donate, volunteer. If you're in Massachusetts, please join the campaign. If you're outside of Massachusetts, tell all your friends, September 1 is a primary election. We must win. This is really a fight between truth, freedom, and health, and power, profit, and control, between working people like us against the elite and the lawyers who protect them. That's what this is about. It's the people versus massive amounts of power. Anyway, thank you, everyone. Be well. Have a good night. And I, I, I wish you well. Thank you. Goodbye, everyone on Instagram. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you.